Have you ever wondered how you can move on from past hurts or struggles? I'm guessing at some point in all of our lives, we have had to do this. And to be honest, it's not always easy. In today's episode, we are going to look at five keys to moving on from past hurts and struggles. So let's go ahead and get started. Have you ever felt that we are losing young people to the world around them and that they have already chosen to walk away from Jesus without even knowing him? And did you know that all young people are at risk for something? That's why I want to welcome you to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast, where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. I'm your host, Deb Schroeder. Join me weekly for encouragement, resources, and strategies to assist you in helping young people make Jesus their hashtag. Thanks for joining me today. In episode 32, I wrapped up a seven-part interview with my oldest son, Jared. We talked about disobedience, stubbornness, drugs, alcohol, and turning away from God. Finally, we also got to the point where we started talking about his redemption. If you missed that interview, go back and listen to episodes 26 through 32. During the interview, we got a sense of what it was like for Jared to start to move on from his own past, his own struggles in his life. And today I want to look at what it means to move on from past hurts and struggles that you may have experienced as a parent with your child or as a youth worker with a young person. There are five keys I'm going to share. Key number one, praise God. In all we do, we need to begin in praising God. Whether we are thanking him for rescuing a young person or praising him that we still have a relationship with that young person, that is the best place to start. Even in the tough and bad moments of life and relationships, we need to look for ways in which God showed up and walked alongside us. With my son, Jared, I had plenty to be thankful for. God kept Jared safe. He opened his heart back up to relationships with his family. God was my lifeline throughout that experience. And in the hardest moments, when I didn't know if Jared would ever choose healthy options for himself, God carried me. Praising God is important because it reminds us of God's great mercy and his love for all of us. Now, even if our story doesn't turn out with a happy ending, we still need to find ways to honor God's presence in our life and in our story. And for me, the best way to do that is to take a moment and praise God for the things that he is doing and how he is showing up for us. Key number two, forgive. Forgiveness is a part of moving on. And in order to move on, we have to be willing to forgive what was done to others and even to ourselves. And we have to free the young person in our life from having to carry the burden of our forgiveness. Now, it's important to realize that forgiveness can be a cycle. It is not uncommon to forgive a person and then at some point have to work to forgive them all over again. We might at times feel like we are going in a circle and we are continually reliving or redoing the same situation. And sometimes we are. And other times we as caring adults get stuck because we allow fear and worry to start to take over. We focus on what can go wrong versus leaning into God. Or we get impatient and try to move a young person along more quickly than they are ready or in a way that is not the way that God intended. In the end, we still have to work towards that forgiveness. I'm going to break forgiveness down into two specific parts. Part one, acknowledge the hurts and then pause the replay button. 
at some point, we are going to have to share with a young person what our experience was, what our hurts, our fears, and even what our worries were. They need to see that their decisions or their behaviors or their words affected us. But more than that, it affected our relationship with them in a way we didn't want it to. Young people also need to know more than anything, we love them and care about them, and we want a genuine, authentic relationship with them. Even in their worst moments of poor behaviors or bad choices, they need to know that we didn't give up on them and we're not going to stop caring about them. And then here's the tricky part. After we have acknowledged our hurts and our frustrations, we need to stop saying them over and over. In other words, we need to pause that replay button. I think there can be a natural tendency to process our feelings and share our hurts with a young person over and over again especially if we start to see some of the same behaviors in that young person. But we cannot continue to say how we've been hurt, or it's going to end up harming our relationship with that young person, and it may cause more damage. For example, as I learned with Jared throughout our interview, he was carrying such a heavy burden of shame. Pointing out how he messed up or how it had hurt me would have just piled on more shame. From his perspective, he would have felt like I was throwing it in his face at times, doubting him or not trusting him. I know there were moments that I unintentionally replayed and processed and shared too much about how I had been hurt, and that makes me sad. But it's important to be intentional about what we say after we have walked through struggles with a young person. And honestly, we need to be intentional throughout the struggles and the journey as well. The bottom line, young people need to know that we can turn the page. And if we want to model the forgiveness of Jesus, then we not only need to forgive, but we need to work on moving on. And one of the ways that we do this is by not rehashing everything over and over. Part two, speak the truth. I know I just said that we need to move on and not continually tell a young person how they messed up or hurt us. And that is true. But there is this delicate balance of moving on and being able to still help guide or remind a young person of our expectations or our rules. If I am trying to hold a young person accountable for rules in a small group or even in my home, then at some point I'm going to have to speak the truth when they break a rule or warn them and guide them when they are getting so close to crossing that line. The tone in which I do that is just as important as what I say to the young person. I'm guessing at some point you've heard the phrase, speak the truth in love. And when I use that phrase, I am talking about being clear on why I say what I say and how do I say it? I need to be clear on my purpose for speaking the truth. Is it to guide a young person, to help a young person? Is it to gain control? Is it to shame a young person? If my purpose is life-giving and without agenda, then I'm okay to speak that truth. If it isn't life-giving to the young person, then I really need to reflect on why I want to say it. And how I say things is critical. For example, if I have to tell a young person that they cannot attend youth group until they have met with me individually one-on-one, then I need to be honest and clear about what I expect. I need to say it in a way that shows that I still care, and I want that young person to rejoin our group. I need to be clear in the boundary and be able to answer any questions that that young person would have. Young people need space to process what we say to them. And when I do have to speak the truth that might make a young person feel bad or feel guilty about something they've done, I always like to start by saying how much I care about them. And I like to give them specific examples of what I value about them and what I see in them. 
When we talk about forgiveness, young people need to understand that, yes, we can forgive them and we can move on, but that there are still going to be times that we have to have rules or parameters or boundaries set up to keep ourselves safe and to keep them safe. Key number three, celebrate growth. As young people make mistakes, we also need to be looking for times when they make different choices. We need to celebrate when they make a healthy choice for themselves and for others. We need to acknowledge the growth when we see it in young people. I know this semester when Jared returned to college and was doing well after having been home, I spent a lot of time pointing out how proud I was of him for going to class, for his grade on a test. I told him over and over how I knew that he could do it. Sometimes I celebrated these small successes and his growth with a text or a card that I could send in the mail. I wanted him to know that we were cheering him on and more importantly, we believed in him. You see, when a young person knows that someone believes in them, it builds their confidence and it builds their motivation to continue to be successful and it helps them to start to believe in themselves. And when we celebrate with a young person, they start to see how much they matter to us. In regards to these types of celebrations, they need to be time and situation appropriate. Now, at this point with Jared, we don't celebrate when he goes to class. That has become his pattern, his expectation. But that semester when he did go back, it was one of his greatest hurdles that he had to face, physically getting out of bed and going into the classroom. At that time, it was appropriate to celebrate that. I also want to point out that I'm not telling you that you need to celebrate every little thing that a young person does. That wouldn't feel genuine. But look for the moments where you can say, good job, I knew you could do it. I can't wait to see how you do again. Key number four, practice trust. At some point, we have to practice trust with young people. I remember when I was a teenager watching my parents do the same thing with my sister and then again years later with my niece. They were given the opportunity to try again. In fact, that's really what youth development is about, giving young people opportunities to keep figuring out who they are and who they can become. It's giving them additional chances as well as encouragement and guidance as they take those chances. We cannot operate in a one-and-done situation with young people in regards to trust, or we give them no reason to keep trying or to have a relationship with us. When we practiced trust with Jared, sometimes he broke our trust. But Jared figured out that he could still earn our trust and that we were willing to give him the chance to continue to do so. He knew and understood that we were fighting for a relationship with him. When we practice trust, it is tied to our ability to forgive and move on. If I cannot try to trust a young person who I have already walked through struggles with, I'm going to send them the message that I don't believe in them and even maybe that I haven't forgiven them. And in my experience, young people will pick up on that immediately. Now, there has to have been some sort of change in behavior or remorse for me to be more willing to trust that young person again, because that change is about progress. And as I always tell young people, change is about progress, a forward movement. It's never about perfection. Something else we need to keep in mind when we practice trust We need to create opportunities that set youth up to succeed, not fail. For example, if you left town and your child had a party in your house, you probably are not going to begin by going out of town again with your child left at home. You're going to need to start smaller. You might go out one evening and leave some chores for your child to do. 
You're asking them to respect you and your home by leaving them unsupervised, but you're also giving them a challenge that they can meet and succeed with by doing those chores. One thing I always share with young people is how lucky I am that God forgives me when I mess up, especially if I keep messing up doing the same thing over and over. When we are practicing trust, we are showing signs that we have forgiven a young person and we are moving on from our hurts and we are modeling the grace that God gives each one of us every day. For a young person to truly start to understand what grace from God looks like, they need to experience it in their own life. Key number five, pray for God to keep growing us. We started by praising God for how he has worked in a young person's life and in our own life in difficult situations and struggles. It makes sense to me that we're going to end this with turning back to God, but this time in prayer. What exactly are we praying for? I'm going to encourage you to pray for growth for a young person as well as for yourself. There is no doubt that we want God to keep growing a young person's knowledge, skills, abilities, and their character. We pray for God to help young people make good decisions, to send people into their lives who can guide them to make healthy choices. We pray for God to keep young people safe and to protect them from the enemy, from others, and sometimes even from themselves. When I see young people struggle, I always pray for growth. I don't want to pray away the qualities that makes a young person who they are. For example, if a young person has this incredible determination and even a bit of a stubbornness, I'm going to pray that God uses that quality in a way that helps them to succeed, not harms them. You know, I'm basically praying that God can use that quality that sometimes is frustrating to me for good. If they are angry, I'm going to pray that God removes that anger and replaces it with a passion to succeed and move forward. I know in the interview with my son, Jared, I talked about his stubbornness and praying that God would use that stubbornness to give him the fight in the desire to succeed. And as I am praying for God to create growth in a young person, I also need to be praying that God works in me too. I pray in these moments for God to give me a sense of compassion, patience, and strength to walk through difficult times. I pray that God can use me and that I am open and willing to be used as he desires. Sometimes I have to pray that God will bind my tongue and give me the words to speak at the right time. And on many occasions, I have to pray that God gives me the ability to forgive and move on. This may all sound easy enough, especially if part of a young person's story is about redemption. But before we wrap up today, I do want to acknowledge that sometimes the desired outcome that we have for young people doesn't happen. They may have chosen to continue unhealthy behaviors, to end a relationship with us, or do something far worse. At some point, part of our healing and growth needs to include moving on, even if the outcome isn't as we desired. We can still go through these same steps, even if we are unable to speak directly to a young person. We can share our hurts from this situation with God, and we can continue to pray for the young person as well as our ability to forgive and accept things as they are. As you engage with young people, just know that at times we have to give them grace. We have to let them continue to grow into their identity. We have to let them change their identity if they need to move on from their past struggles. And as I learned with my own son, sometimes we have to let them go. 
You may have noticed by now that here at the Jesus is my hashtag community and on this podcast, I always talk about showing up and caring and how important that is for the young people in our lives. When we are able to see young people filled with possibility and see them as God sees them, that is truly the best way to build healthy relationships with young people. And when young people can believe that we still see great possibility in them, even throughout struggles and even after struggles, that can be the difference in a young person connecting with us and allowing us to continue to pour into them. As you continue to either raise teens, volunteer, or work directly with youth, you are most likely going to face struggles with them at some point. I want to encourage you to remember the five keys that I have shared. And I want to challenge you. Think back to a time when you were a young person and you were struggling and making mistakes. Then ask yourself, what is the one thing that you wanted a caring adult to know and believe about you, even in the midst of your struggle? As you reflect on that this week, ask yourself, is that something that you can give to a young person in your life? And how do you do that? And don't forget to join me next time. We are going to look at youth depression and what your role is as a caring adult. Hey there, fellow youth workers. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember what Matthew 9.37 tells us. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, keep showing up and keep caring.